Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I am your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we dive into this past weekend's match, we actually have a word from our sponsor, the Reese E. Price Academy 5K 10K Fun Run. Calling all soccer fans and runners. Are you looking for a fun and meaningful way to support students and educators? Well, lace up your sneakers and get ready to support a great cause, the Reese E. Price Academy. They are a neighborhood public school in East Price Hill, and they are holding their first ever 5K, 10K fun run to support the school community on Saturday, April 15th. With music, post-race food, raffles, and prizes, the Reese E. Price Academy Fun Run is a family-friendly event that's sure to be a blast. And best of all, every dollar raised goes directly to the school, providing resources for their school community. Come on out on Saturday, April 15th, and show your support for your neighborhood public school. Register today and be a part of something truly special. You can register at bit.ly slash R-E-P-A run, or just use the link in the description. Use promo code POST and save 20% on registrations, or don't use that and give them the full price, you cheap jerk. Thank you very much to Reese E. Price Academy 5K 10K Fun Run for sponsoring this episode and for being our first ever sponsor. On this episode of the Sensi Postcast, well, we're all trying to make heads or tails out of that 3-3 draw against the Chicago Fire. A freezing night for the boys in orange and blue. Was this a positive result? A negative result? It really didn't feel good during the game, but honestly, ending with a point felt great. Come with us. We've got FCC headlines with Jonah. We've got match analysis. We will help you sort out your feelings. And that'll be your episode of the Sensi Postcast. Joining me to talk about that drunk ass game we've got grayson we've got chief and we've got jonah of knifey lion radio jonah i i mean we we still have a few weeks months to prepare i really haven't looked at the schedule but are you ready to record the drive to columbus <laughs> i just i just came to my mind here i know we're going to talk about chicago but are you prepared for the drive to columbus episode you might as well ask uh what do you think happens after we die just to get my anxiety up because i was <laughs> thinking about it earlier today and i was like oh i still gotta do that right i know like no one's actually counting on it but in my head it's like oh i got this midterm paper due but just think of the, think of the joy you'll spark when all of a sudden on everyone's podcast feed all of a sudden the little icon pops up and it's new episode knifey lion radio <laughs> Also, remember when 90 minutes seemed like a long time? You guys are like, that drive to Columbus is absolutely nothing. You guys will be driving to we Cleveland. Got, we got you, you finding parking. You yeah. have enough time to find parking and get to the gate. You're walking in slowly. The AirPods are still... So and, if you uh, start playing after you get out of the shower, yeah, you can you can wrap up a post episode by the time you walk into <laughs> to New Crew Stadium. <laughs> also, I'm still paying my uh, monthly fee to Podbean because I'm like unsure what happens when I stop paying. Like, it, they're not just, I know they're not just gonna like disappear, but I'm I'm just like throwing away money every month. 
Uh, I can tell you that it does just disappear. (laughs) It's been very hard for me to find old episodes of uh, what me and Jason were doing back in the day. And uh, yeah, no, I think that's exactly what happened. So So start a Patreon. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a, you, you need to set up a fund, a GoFundMe to make sure that the Knifey Lion archives never disappear. You'll find someone that'll pay it. Because I'm deleting the waves off my computer. I'll tell you what. I was full the other day. And so that's uh, true. That is scary. But yeah. Drive to Columbus. Get ready. Now I got to look oh up when that game God. is. Anything else happened this week? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, before we drive to Columbus, we got to talk about this Chicago game. My goodness, this was a game that uh, I don't know, exposed some takes on Twitter, uh, got a lot of people riled up. It was a fun game at the end. It was an awful game for huge stretches of it. Uh, Jonah, you got a uh, you got a headline for us that you found? Um, I do, because the first half. You know, started strong with the junior Moreno goal, and we could have put it up to nothing. And who knows how Chicago responds to going down two goals? Unfortunately, we didn't. But I uh, saw this headline in um, the Austin Plain Dealer: Telefono Nuevo. Who dis? Chivas ghosts Albright after Vasquez's slow start. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's uh, it's funny. I actually saw a similar headline, probably probably the same story, just with a different headline. And I saw sure. this one in the uh, the Modesto Tribune out in mm. California. Going to have to cancel that call-up. Vasquez trip to U.S. <laughs> men's national team ruined by ongoing inability to secure sitters. <laughs> I actually saw a headline about, about, about Vasquez as well. Uh, this one was in the Gotham Tribune. It's a kiss from a post. Vasquez scarred by off-target shot that failed to seal win. <laughs> I mean, the man can't help the way he looks that's just that's that hurt that's hurtful <laughs> i i hate that when vasquez did miss that shot that my first thought was oh maybe maybe we should have taken chivas up on their five million dollars <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll get back to that. Uh, I assume he'll figure it out. He's got he's got the striker whisperer Dom Kinnear on staff, but um, maybe he needs to start. Is, sh- maybe he needs to start shouting. Maybe it needs to be the striker shouter now at this point. <laughs> the, the striker, very clear communicator. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, score those. <laughs> it's it's just not working for him. Is I know. Hey, they're four games in. Nobody's hitting any panic buttons, yeah. but like. He Santos is good now. A lot of these. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst part for him. Uh, Grayson, you asked this on the uh, the Discord, and I know it was a just asking questions, but I'll I'll just ask that question now. Against Nashville, undefeated streak on the line. You starting Santos over Vasquez? I mean, I don't I I know I asked the question, but I I don't think so. I like Santos as a change of pace, you know bring him in with a healthy amount of time in the second half, let him do his thing against tired defenders. No, you can't, you can't. Vasquez is not playing well. And I say that with a caveat, like he's not playing well because he's paid to score goals and his talent is scoring goals, but he is still getting himself into position to score goals. It's just going comedically awry when he has the opportunity right now, but you can't, you can't bench him. You can't sit him down. You've got to, this is one where you've got to let him play through it and figure it out. 
Um, it's just going to be frustrating until he does. Plus, Santos, um, he he works better as a change of pace. And I think this game showed again what his value is as the change of pace off the bench. Fair. Remember when Baji was uh, starting for Brenner at the beginning of last year? <laughs> Things have changed. Uh, was Baji on the bench? He's still around, right? Yeah, Baji was on the bench. But Archimedes but, or, came in. Yeah, Ordonez comes in instead. Interesting. Which is, I don't know. Has Baji done anything to deserve? Not. No, not deserve. Not. Whatever. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> did you see this? I'll get his chance. <laughs> Some yeah. Variety magazine. Uh, if anyone had the pleasure of listening to last night's game, they'll understand this headline. Full mast to squishy shaft. Apple Plus announcers post-orgasm clarity shows the Chicago Fire are still gross when the lights come back on. So I was really feeling for those guys. That, that was Sorry, that was a real ride on that headline. Uh, <laughs> am I, are, I feel like I uh, was too hard on Tommy G after listening to these guys uh dish on their dinner with the assistant coach uh do everything but pray for the success of the chicago fire were either of these guys chicago fire announcers pre apple plus i think one of them was i think one of them was i mean it's always it's always comforting when you hear the announcer say midway through the call i was having dinner with my good friend who's on the chicago fire coaching staff (laughs) i'm like well we're gonna get an unbiased call in this match (laughs) I, i don't have like a problem with them knowing coaches but i thought one of the hooks with apple tv was that was that these were going to be neutral crews yeah it it would be yeah i i completely agree it'd be like if i don't know like dan horde and dave lapham were calling (laughs) were like got signed up by cbs and were randomly doing a Bengals browns game or something and not expecting some degree of (laughs) go go get him what kills me is i know tommy g would try his hardest to be absolutely neutral and uh that was just not on on display last night that was that was kind of rough well, you know I you can you can agree. try a little too hard to be neutral i saw i saw this headline <laughs> from uh, cincinnati soccer talk um highway robbery referee absconds down dan ryan expressway with deserved chicago win inexplicably allowing Cincinnati to steal late draw. Yeah, the the CST feed was <laughs> deferential, I'll say. How about that? I mean, Ryan, we don't, they don't really specify what C stands for when they use the abbreviation. It's like MTV is no longer music TV. They're like, no, we're just MTV. So you fill it in with whatever you want it to be. I don't want to. I don't want to get too far off the uh, the announcers though, because I saw this in uh, in broadcasting and cable magazine. He looks to be <laughs> off. Apple TV announcer rushes to trademark slogan in week three of ten year deal. Did you notice that on every play? The uh, the play by play man was convinced that there was an offside flag waiting to go up. He was from his perch in the uh, the broadcast booth. He seemed to have a better read on things than the uh, the officiating flag staff. would probably come up here in a second. But uh, the play continues like it never, ever <laughs> once came off except the one that nobody saw with Brenner. Yeah, right. The one that everybody, even the announcers thought it was a foul, like as the the, the notice came up that it was checking for offsides. Somebody asked this as well. I thought it was an interesting question. Is he thinking everything is off because he's just assuming that like that's just his thing or has like the VAR, I don't know, 
era of soccer ruined the watching of attacking plays? Like, do you just assume everything is going to be reviewed now? It affects how re- how you react to goals, right? Yes. Like, you always look goals around. Goals aren't as like, fun anymore, right? <laughs> can I can I celebrate yet? So it's like it's like watching a bad NFL game where after every throw you're just waiting for the pass interference flag to come out. Mm-hmm. And I, I I guess you could possibly say that he um has been scarred by this whole thing and that he's constantly seeing ghosts in terms of, oh, this is gonna be a VAR checking and offsides. But a lot of these weren't even close that he was calling. Where it's like there's not yeah. even there's not even a chance they're gonna raise the flag on this, which just, you know, leads me to conclude that whenever he saw somebody open, well, they must be open because they were badly offside. And he just wasn't paying attention. So yeah, he's a fan. It, yes. <laughs> it's a way yes. to look smart, you know. You can if you call everything offsides before like oh there's <laughs> there's the flag you guys it's, it's, it's like all people, that people forget that when uh when fox got the rights to uh the world cup back in the day they tried gus johnson doing soccer a couple of times and it was yeah. really clear that he had no idea what he was saying but someone had told him that whenever somebody runs down the sidelines that's on the overlap so he would constantly say that anytime <laughs> someone was going on the sidelines there he is on the overlap and it's like no, but I, I appreciate that you're trying, Gus. I really that do. Famous phrase. I thought the where they showed their stripes the most was on the penalty kick, which like fine yes. penalty, whatever. It's debatable. But he literally said, that's as clear as a penalty as you're ever going to see. I'm like, that's just objectively not true. <laughs> like like a, a trip will always be more objectively than like a quote unquote push in the back because you can't, you know. His arm touches his back and the guy falls. That's true. Whether or not he got shoved over, mm, a little more suspect. I mean, I can live with it because I'd want the call for us, but I still think that's like 50-50 at best. But to say that's as clear as a penalty can get, I'm like, okay, this, this home cooking is a little, <laughs> little bit that's much also, for me. That's also an especially egregious error to make in a broadcast between the Chicago Fire and FC Cincinnati. That's two fan bases that has seen their own teams commit way worse fouls that resulted in PKs. <laughs> like, sir, that is not as clear-cut a penalty as you're going to see. I have seen FC Cincinnati commit no less than five infractions worse than that and be awarded have pks awarded against them um i don't know if you saw this in the christian science monitor uh oh god yes absolutely this was brutal brutal to watch hope there are no children still awake pray for a mascara young center back remains in critical condition after casper pishpilko's second half assault has there been any updates from the UC Medical Center about that. The end of the game looked absolutely I think brutal. Cincy Shirts is making a shirt for him, so hopefully we can raise some cash. I love did, how I, mad that guy got. Go ahead. I, I, did, I did see, well, it was fairly earned, I think, after Mosquera's antics during the game for the most part. I saw this on the, uh, the, the Mount Knife Times, so this might be a paper closer to you, Jonah. Mm-hmm. Fairly dickish, son. Jonah describes Mosquera's <laughs> play to child while watching match. <laughs> Those are for I, the underdog. I love uh Mosquera's willingness to uh engage in the dark arts. You know, he gives up the penalty, so be it. But uh I don't mind the uh playing dead dead fish there at the very end going up for a header. Um, uh, I took a little I took a little umbrage to to the the Academy Award uh comment from the yeah. uh the chicago soccer talk oh and oh and from you know yeah <laughs> chicago, soccer. chicago soccer talk um <laughs> and uh i saw that uh, that mascara was asked about that after the game 
this was in the Oberlin College microaggression. Um, says, I'm a method actor. Yerson Mascara explains his convicting act, convincing acting as a man who had his foot stepped on by having Shichos actually step on his foot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did step on him. There's that. The header did kind of look bad at first glance but then his his reaction to it was over the top um santos i think got in a couple of extra rolls on uh on a couple of fouls i don't mind it i don't mind being the uh i don't know this this feels like the philadelphia union we've seen the last couple of years where it's like a very classy team until until they turn it on a little bit and they get a little conca cafe I don't mind it. I did think, though, super aggressive to be pulling that guy up off the ground. I mean, I loved it when Barial did it last year, but uh, I don't like seeing it happen <laughs> to our guys. No, thank you. I mean, we may as well get all the headlines out just since we're on the, the topic. I saw this one in the uh, the Florida registered political blog. Moscara, Mo problems. Urison concedes penalty, cooling off rumors of his impending Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> Pulling <laughs> off rumors of his uh, impending recall to to wolves. I know this is good. This I like that he takes a little step back. It's okay. He can stay for a little longer. <laughs> wolves are a little cooler on him. Yeah, that's uh, that's not bad. He did. He came back to earth a little bit. I mean, it was it was nothing like he's better than the Ian Murphy side. But you know, Superman. He's got to be Clark Kent every now and again to like conceal his true identity as the best center back in the world. So I respect that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Remember remember last year when Barriel picked that guy up, that guy then like headbutted Barriel and somehow Santos got a red card out of it. (laughs) Yes. And if I remember correctly, that flop was more obviously a flop than Mascara, I mean, from a distance could be like, Oh my God, they just conked heads, you know, But, but I remember that one. Um, on the topic of Mosquera, if we want him for the rest of the year without any issue, do we want Wolves relegated or do we want them to stay up? I keep going back and forth, and I may have already asked this before. I don't know what I'm rooting for. We want what? them up, right? I think so. Because if they get relegated, they're like, "Oh yeah, we we can we gotta have it. We gotta." We got to tighten up our spending on the roster. They might lose some. There's players. more opportunities for uh, younger players. On the other but hand, think- if the if if they get relegated, they may look at us and say, "Oh, this is an asset. If he's playing well there and they like him, keep him there, and maybe we can sell him and recoup some of the losses going down uh, by selling mascara off." I don't know. Yeah, that's the piece I keep coming back to. Is maybe they don't want to keep a project on if they go down. And they're more likely to part with him. So, yeah, I don't know. They just sold a guy to Minnesota for like $2 million, a South Korean um, forward. Forward, yeah. And they paid just over a million for him from the South Korean team, immediately sent him on loan to Grasshoppers in Switzerland. He didn't do anything. Like, he couldn't get any playing time. He spent, I think, like almost a full season with them. They just recalled him and they, they it's not like they gave, you know, Minnesota a discount. They still made a profit on it. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think Mascara is rooting for? Like, do you think that he sits there and watches him, you know, tumble down the standings? And it's like, That's right. 
should have kept me. (laughs) (laughs) Or is his value hurt if he's no longer a Premier League player on loan, but a championship player on loan? And now it's not nearly as... That's like like some shit that baseball does during arbitration, where they try to find all the horrible things about a player to try and save $200,000 in salary. They come to your center like, well, we were going to offer you, you know, $5 million a year to stay here, but you're only a championship player right now. So we're going to have to drop that down to 2 million. He's like, my team got relegated while I was over here with you. I had nothing to do with this. (laughs) By any means necessary to keep him. But I, I, I just don't want to go out without mentioning how upset uh, – is it Pish, Pish, Pish Bilko? I don't know how to fucking say it. Shibilko. Yeah, Shibilko. Oh, Which I had no chance of to... pronouncing until the announcers did. I was like, you could have given me a thousand chances at that last name just based on writing alone, and I would have been nope. Oh, he was so <laughs> mad. <laughs> that was great. He was like making fa- – like he was trying to like mock us. But like he was he turning could bright see- white. Yeah, it was the hurt. It was the hurt from like we're really fucking blowing this game. This is unbelievable. And that's – I love being on the, the right side of a collapse. If I remember correctly, Shabilka was a failed Philadelphia DP striker that they then sold to Chicago for a discount. I think that's his story. I thought he was part of – I mean, maybe failed yeah, as a DP, but like I thought he was like a, you know, kind of a, <laughs> I can't even Google him. Uh, I thought he was like a <laughs> decent part of their renaissance, but like mm, I could okay. be completely wrong. Shabil Kido. Wow. You should see the he letters. Scored, he had 35 goals in 83 games for Philadelphia. It's not, it's not bad. Which is a coincidence because I think his name would be worth 35 points in Scrabble if it was a legal play. <laughs> Uh, oh, he, they traded. They traded him to Chicago for one million one hundred fifty thousand dollars a game. It's Nick Haglund money right there. <laughs> yeah, unless you appropriately account for the uh, allocation order spot. Well, speaking yeah. of, speaking of our our red carded center back, I saw this in the uh, the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. We are standing on the ancestral home of Nick. Ian Murphy attempts to awoken defensive skills by reading Hagland acknowledgement before game. That's where it all went wrong. So forced, but I loved it. (laughs) It turns out that uh, Nick Hagland may in fact be a uh, load-bearing piece of the structure when it comes to defensive shape for FC Cincinnati. Yeah, that was concerning to learn, I think. <laughs> that that backline depth is not as deep as I was willing to concede. There were multiple times where Murphy was just playing guys on by not stepping up in time. And maybe that's something that gets solved by just regular playing time. But it was not a like-for-like substitution as I was thinking it was more like obviously there was going to be a slight step down but i really didn't think it'd be that noticeable i saw a head i saw a headline about that in the tuscaloosa bugle um i wanted to look at the high line ian murphy blames fire goal on miscommunication about chicago's elevated trains He's just there as a tourist. Yeah, he's he just, just wants to watch him. He's a mass transit enthusiast. That plays well in soccer circles. Yeah. Kevin, I don't know if you remember for uh, Pride FC, I had a defensive strategy uh, okay. that I, you know, come up with a method that could be replicated and maybe should be taught on YouTube to children across the world. And it's um, 
it's called the surfing like uh defense yeah that's like when you're you know backing up on somebody you're kind of doing the surf you're going back and forth Ian Murphy was doing the surfing. <laughs> he was surfing out there, baby. I was like, that's <laughs> just like the that's soldier concerning. boy meme. I was like, that's my move. He's stealing my move. And like when you see a guy who's like totally like, <laughs> like it's too much. There was one early in the first half. I don't know if you remember when Mascara just totally fucking stuffed this dude. Yes. Like coming down his side. And I was like, yeah, that's how you do it, Murphy. <laughs> Less surfing, more just fucking taking the ball or like take him off his feet. Uh, but that's okay. Things got better though. I don't know if you guys remember, um, chief, you might not remember this when Lucho came in the game. This is from mm-hmm. the New York times. The, the important story of the day heading back to DC Lucho recruited by CIA to lead clandestine drone attacks after seeing his inch perfect pass murder the spirits of 600 innocent fire fans. Lucho, <laughs> did you hear about that? I don't know. Uh, That's a good crowd for Drone-like precision. That's <laughs> true. Well, also the ones Chicago fans watching on TV. But uh, I asked this earlier, uh, Lucho's best FCC pass, or am I just caught in the moment? Well, before we get into that, there was a uh, there was a headline Ooh. from Pat Brennan in the Cincinnati Inquirer. He's a little closer to home on this one. Local asshole doubts Lucho <laughs> eats a plate of shit online over it. <laughs> <laughs> really should have had its own story in the inquire i agree yeah you know what you you miss a hundred percent of the takes you don't tweet i it could okay, have easily so gone first that way off, yeah. yeah first off to jonah's point yeah i think it's the best pass he might have had a curling pass at one point that i maybe you could argue was better but the fact that this led directly to a goal was incredible and uh grayson i don't want your point to go unnoticed here thanks to mls's absurd mls assist rules brenner also gets an assist on that goal for having played a ball out of the midfield to acosta um but that that ball was just so perfectly placed and what i loved about it is if you go back and watch it uh but maybe put the side by side with the uh, the classic rooney lucho goal against orlando it's almost an exact recreation of that pass as well i really liked that it's it's like diagonal ball frame by frame yeah yeah only one guy can get it um i mean credit to santos for playing that ball like it's one thing to get it there it's another thing for it to turn into something but what is santos doing Christ. making making that run by the way you think like is he is he like oh lucho's gonna play the best pass of the season to me or he's just doing the like justin hoyt like oh like i'm way on the other side of the field i'm wide open and lucho just took him up on it that was the take to make chief what santos is an idiot he shouldn't have even been there he's lucky that lucho made the best pass ever look i'm process oriented when it comes to takes final whether or not the take actually ends up being correct is one thing the process that leads you there is another and on the santos thing i just want to believe that he does that routinely in practice and the ball is always there and this is the one time in game situation where it's actually worked out that oh yeah this works right here like the perfect alley-oop play that maybe works one time out of a thousand in a basketball game that you practice every single week I will say, Chief, thank you for uh, taking the heat on Twitter because I definitely tweeted from the post that it was okay to turn the TV off in like the 75th minute. So um, I appreciate you taking taking more of the grief there than uh, the post. So. By fair weather fans for fair weather fans, the post. <laughs> that was an angry game. Angry game yeah. all around. Yeah. 
everyone. I got offended when they started praising Yapstam the uh, to bring it back to the <laughs> announcers. I was like, I'm way out. Fuck he laid the guys. groundwork. He game. laid the groundwork. <laughs> uh, you oh, give God. Jared Nykamp credit for like some of the players. I mean, you shouldn't anyways, just because <laughs> nothing worked under him. But like, if you want to actually like do that, but to like, what did y- Yapstam had nothing to do with literally anything. And we would have been parking the bus. Oh, maybe it would have been a tie either way yesterday if Yapstam was around. Um, but yeah, just another thing that they, clearly they, they know <laughs> FCC's history in the last couple of years, uh, inch perfect, just like that pass was. What else was I going to say about that sweet, Sweet ball. Oh, yeah. The first thing he's in the game for about five seconds and he like shoots across right to the top of the box. And uh, the announcer said, Lucho just kind of lashes at the ball. I was like, yeah, perfectly. Exactly where you wanted it. Like, fuck well, that, you, man. Well, that was another like, you just just piss off with this announced team. Like when Lucho came in, they described him something as like, well, when he cares, which he selectively does. It's mm-hmm. that, that hasn't been a narrative about Lucho for years. If, if like that was still a take maybe last year. But the man was in the MVP hunt last season. If you're right. still on the Lucho has selective participation, you're just not paying attention any longer. And just, I know that's a shocker for this, this announced team, but that really pissed me off a lot. So I thought it was an unfair narrative about him to describe his 2021 play. Yeah. Because like, but I, I guess that that's, I guess you could explain that off because that team was terrible. Right. Sure. And you just, you don't want to watch the worst team in the league, but Lucha was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, he was you the know, only. He, he still like had he, like a. Yeah, yeah he still ahead. had a really good, a really good season, all things considered. The critique was that he was trying to do too much. Right. Yeah, uh, he was the only guy that gave a shit. <laughs> like the rest of the team was bums, and Lucha was like, "Well, I'm the best option here. I may as well try to nutmeg all five of these guys." But what after, was, the, what but was after the last season. <laughs> But after yeah. last season, when's the last time that you could say, like, he, you know, turned it off or didn't care in MLS? Like, 2019 in D.C.? And the, the thing first is, part of the season, right after his PSG deal didn't that's, go through? That's the piece. It would be like, how good of an employee would you be at work if you were promised a promotion, was told exactly how much money you were going to make, and then didn't get it at the last second and told... Yeah, and this will probably never be available to you again for the rest of your life. Like, I don't know. I'd probably lose a little motivation around the office. Like, <laughs> I don't want to let this. I don't want to let this pass either. Or you Please. know, I'm, you know, these headlines. I, I write all these down, and sometimes they come. There's good flow. We can transition from headline to headline. There's no good time to flow into this one. So I'm just gonna just gonna go with this. I saw this one in the uh, the Des Moines Register. Um, covering soccer this year var error officials discover apple streaming app not working on fire tv (laughs) nice (laughs) that was weird right yeah (laughs) am am i thinking too much about this when mamey posted joseph mamey posts uh, the the clip from the broadcast of the referee being told to go check the VAR screen. He goes over to the screen and the screen never works. It shows a still image twice and it's very clearly trying to play video and then constantly like either buffering or crashing and reloading. But he ends up just waving the goal off without having watched any of the video. 
Am I wrong in thinking that's a big deal? Like this <laughs> undermines the entire system? <laughs> There's got to be a plan in place, right? Because you could imagine technology on like a, a TV by the field could fail at some time. So I'm curious, like if like the go to is just, all right, well, we'll just. We'll Use just the it. VAR's opinion. <laughs> we got yeah. it. We'll just do it. Well, the, the, li- the line on <clears throat> past games is that you're limited to what the capabilities of the stadium are. Mm. You know, like with the camera angles, like if there's camera angles that the stadium can't provide, but, you know, are at the VAR headquarters or whatever, the ref doesn't get access to those. So he has to look at what the camera angles are in the stadium. That was part of the explanation for, I think it was the, the Derek Etienne goal. Yeah. goal that wasn't overturned. And it's like, well, if, if VAR made this call for the ref and that's just protocol, if there's a, if there's a technical failure, they should say it. Yes. If VAR made the call for the ref because they were improvising in the moment, they should also say that. Because the, the whole point of like soccer refereeing, like the the philosophy that governs the entire thing, is that the center referee is the end all be all decision maker on all officiating. So they can wave off an offside call or an offside flag from an assistant referee. They are the sole timekeeper. They are the ones who are supposed to be making the VAR decisions that a a fifth official is giving them a heads up, but it's their call. And the second you take a call out of their hands, you call into question the entire like structure of soccer refereeing. And that's why I'm very concerned about this. And it opens up the possibility of remote referees at MLS headquarters deciding decisions and taking that decision out of the center referee's hands and I think calls into question some of the integrity of the game unless they're going to spell that out. But uh, it, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going too big with it, but that no, was I concerning. Think, I don't think you're going too big with it. I, I wrote something that we ended up not posting because apparently I went a little too hard in the paint in the intro paragraph for it. <laughs> I think we can sand it down a little bit, yeah, but yes. Well, but <laughs> if, you're, if you're paying attention to... MLS games, which I know Grayson doesn't. I mean, fair play to him. Um, <laughs> we are the podcast for people who don't watch MLS. Um, if you watch this, there is an emerging multi-standard VAR review process that they're just not being transparent about. That there is a differing standard of VAR review for when an official sees something versus when an official doesn't see something. Like the uh, the call last week where it comes out that the official never even saw the play with Hagland, had to rely on the assistant referee, gives a card, goes to the review monitor, and then treats that almost like it's the first review uh, and watching it fresh. The uh, almost like the, um, you know, everything is new. Um, what's the legal term for that, Grayson? when the court can just review I, everything. I wouldn't know. De novo, it's de novo review. Um, <laughs> theoretically, if you spoke Latin. Um, <laughs> there's a different standard, though, when the official sees it. That's when it's, oh, now I need to see, you know, clear and indisputable proof to overturn the call. And now there's another standard for the monitor doesn't work, and we're going to send it up to another person making the call there. Just The whole VAR system just feels... Like they're making it up as they go along and it's whatever gets the job done in any given set- setting. It 
it's it's concerning because it opens itself up to having you know four different philosophies at any one time and if your goal is to let the popular teams win or to pad the stats of the exportable players the league can start tweaking and twisting and pushing things in certain directions where ooh actually we want to sell Almada so make sure his goal stands ooh we really don't want LAFC to miss the playoffs let's make sure that goal is called back it may not be explicit but like are referees going to be awarded for correctly interpreting the narrative the league wants so they're going to get the the star games are they going to get the fox games are they going to get the CONCACAF promotions the FIFA promotions I don't know it's just it's a little messy it's a little dirty I don't, I don't like it I don't I'm not gonna take a long time with this but my my gripe with VAR is it's like it's the whole thing. The whole thing is dishonest and it's to hide the fact of, of human error by burying it in like layers of procedural standards where like if a ref just messes up on the field, okay, the ref messed it up on the field. But if the ref messes it up on the field and then VAR has this whole review process, but the review process is, you know, based on certain deference to certain things with that the that the ref saw or didn't see or whatever then it's like, well, we made the right call because we made the right procedural determination under VAR, and it just kind of distracts from, you know, the fact that that the ref was incompetent in the first place. If you're gonna yes. do, if you're gonna do all this, just do the B dubs button, where the 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 VAR exists only to make the game more exciting. So whatever in any given moment, what will increase the excitement level of this game? Does does that mean? You know, waving off a goal that makes it four to two and makes the comeback less likely. Absolutely. We're waving that off. Does that mean making sure the tying goal gets scored? Yeah, definitely. It's or like in um, <laughs> you guys ever play like NBA Jam back in the day where when you got up big on the computer, suddenly all of a sudden all their shots would start going in to tighten the game yes. up a little bit. Just do that. Yes. Like if that's if we're really going to just make this shit up as we go along, just have it make the games more exciting. VAR is the blue shell of MLS where the last place team gets a chance to to knock off the uh, the losing team gets a chance to beat the winning team by some uh, by some help yeah or just you know like every game or once every month every team has one card where you automatically win a var check like you can only use it once a month and you know you got to make sure you're saving it for when it counts but you know like that goal that gets waved off if they're like shit we're down three one we really want to come back and steal a point in this game noonan hands over his card they automatically win the var check doesn't matter if Brenner's offsides. I mean, shit. If you're going to be a league that only 300,000 people watch, at least have some fucking fun with it. I think the VAR or the VAR blocker, which is like on a Survivor, they have they had an idle yes. nullifier. I think they'd be like, you lost the VAR. I'm like, did we? And then you just pull out, pull out the blue card. And you're like, oh, brilliant. He's been holding it the whole time, waiting for this moment. Uh, was there ever an interview? I know someone interviewed Pat Noonan after the game, but is that available to listen anywhere? Is that up anywhere? I, you know, it's like now I'm actually like now that it's taken away from me, I'm like kind of curious what he said about this because he's so honest. But like, is he kind of excited? Like, hey, three three, pretty good. Or is he like, God, we fucking sucked? But uh, we're like- they said they said they were gonna put these up. Um, yeah, I think they are available, but you have to have like access to like the, the credential MLS, yeah, the, the MLS communications yeah. website but they used to put them up on like 
YouTube and Vimeo. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's totally gone. Man, if only, if only there was a service that they could use to put this sort of stuff up. I mean, I understand that that would be a lot to ask for each team to have its own dedicated area of a streaming app to put this sort of content onto. Especially when you were like trying to find content to serve fans, you know, that might be something. Maybe I will Chicago say, soccer talk at home. <laughs> on that point, though, um, Tommy G does a uh, like a preview each week. And in the preview, there are snippets of the previous week's press conference. And I'm wondering if that isn't how they're just checking that box and saying we're making post-game comments available to people by including it in this other package. But I will I will concur, though. I do real I, I especially watching a road game at home. I do miss the angry completely not satisfied with anything pat noon in halftime and postgame interviews where the man just never seems to smile everything was always fucked up everything was bad everything could have been better and i just i need that sunshine in my life again i miss it <laughs> he was even after the we won that first playoff game and he was like you could tell he was forcing himself to be like like he knew like oh this probably wasn't the best game He's like, hey, you know, we you got to be happy. You won a playoff game. You know, he's got like he's got to like trying to convince himself that like, all right, I guess you know, knockout tournament. Even though, I don't know, it was all right. But uh, so respect. He's, he's definitely got like a Nick Saban vibe to him. Like whenever they would interview Nick Saban, you could always tell that he was mad at anything that happened because if a, the game was preventing him from getting out and recruiting, like I wish I didn't have to be at this game playing this game because I really need to go recruit more young men to be part of this program. And, and um, it's the title game. Yeah. It's the national championship. Right. <laughs> Five minutes after, he's he's totally moved on from that. Because <laughs> anybody know why, before I leave, because I don't have any headlines, but I've been on here for 8,000 minutes, why doesn't Chicago have a sponsor on their the, – it, like, I'm so ingrained in me now that, like, now without a sponsor, you'd think I'd like it more. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> it looks weird. It looks like a training top. But do we know why that, a, you know, a large market like Chicago doesn't have a Valspar anymore or anything? I think they just hold out for a lot of money. Like they'd rather not have a sponsor and just keep fishing for a multi-million dollar deal than just take a short-term deal on somebody for less money. Um, I wonder if that's a directive from the league because for a while there, Miami, I want to say San Jose. San Jose, yeah, and yeah. Houston, I think, didn't have one for a while. They re-upped their previous one later. But yeah, it is... It is weird, and I wish the teams would do something with it, like put the player's number in the middle or something. Yeah, I don't know. I think the problem probably, and this is just a complete guess on my part, but it seems like this would be the MLS reason for all this, is that probably they can't put anything on the front of their jersey that's temporary because the jersey they sell from Adidas probably has to be the same jersey that they're wearing on the field as part of some agreement. Because otherwise, it would make sense to just do some, you know, get some PR hit by saying, oh, we're going to put this local charity and this local charity. And then they then Adidas is like, well, the ones we're selling in the team store are blank and that's different than what you're wearing on the field. So they probably are incentivized to wait because they can't do multiple runs during the course of a year. That's a good point. And don't most of these owners have another company that they could just sign a one-year deal to? Like, I don't know what Joe Mansueto does for a living, but surely he has money in something that could pay for an advertisement. Well, he's the former executive chairman of Morningstar. Duh. Yeah. 
<laughs> Morningstar, Which a is fairly a, obscure uh, nickname for Ameri- Satan. So. American financial <laughs> services firm. They do, like, I was they like, do like analytics, like financial, like for uh, uh, like they do information for like hedge funds and uh, investment and vegeta- vegetarian uh, chicken nuggets. <laughs> I was going to say vegetarian chicken nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> veggie uh, sausage links. Yeah, sure. Wait, you, know, you know, Drake got his logo on what was it, uh, Barcelona? Kids were putting the Drake logo on. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure like you could go and find like Machine Gun Kelly has a logo you could get for the Chicago Fire. <laughs> He's from vaguely the northern part of America, the northern Midwest. They've really been through enough. If their uh, their charity of choice was the Chicago Fire Department and they had to put yet another fire logo on the fire jersey. Now like we're really that. getting somewhere. But they were sponsored by the. Uh, CBS procedural show Chicago is Fire the first, is the first 50 results that come up when you Google Chicago Fire. So you have to Google Chicago Fire FC. It's, that, uh, it reminds me of the, my favorite yeah. conspiracy theory of all time is that the reason why Disney released the movie Frozen was to stop Walt Disney's Frozen head from being the top search when you search for Disney Frozen. <laughs> and everybody won. On that note, I'll hang up and listen. God bless you guys. Hey, Jonah. Fries together. What do you guys think about a new mascot? Anyways, I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) Let me know. Oh God, no! Thank you to uh, to to Jonah for always providing those headlines. I absolutely loved it. Let me start with this then. Uh, the lineup for the game uh, was interesting. We had any number of permutations of the back line as an option, uh, but in this game, I get Salatano in the back, and then going left to right uh, across the back line, Barial, of course, but then Ian Murphy on the left, Matt Miazga in the middle, Mosquera on the right with Ray Gaddis out on your right wing back. It was Moreno and Wobodo ahead of them, and then Marco Angulo with the start over Lucho Acosta, Brenner, and Vasquez up top. Uh, Did anybody have Marco Angulo replacing Acosta in the lineup on their bingo card before this game? That's a big nope. (laughs) Sure didn't. I, uh, apparently he's been hurt, which of course you would not learn by reading the injury report ahead of this game put up by FC Cincinnati. It was sort of, I don't know, presented by, uh, some media members as, of course, he's been off to the side all week. Why wouldn't he he have started? But, uh, I guess for us morons here that don't get to watch practice, uh, that was surprising to me. This is, this is where you wish there was more gambling on MLS because that's the reason why NFL injury reports are so good. Is that the league mm-hmm. mandates that everything be reported because gamblers rely on this information and gamblers are what originally drove and continue to drive the popularity of the NFL. In an MLS, apparently it's closer to hockey where it's just he has a lower body injury or an upper body injury or in Lucho's case has no injury whatsoever. Fuck you. We're trying to maintain a competitive advantage here. Yeah, thanks for all of your anytime score or assist bets uh, involving Lucho Acosta, but we'll be taking that money. Thank you very much. Uh, Grayson, am I wrong in thinking Angula was not billed as a backup number 10? What what was the thought here? uh, Actually, I think Noonan talked about that. uh, If you read Pat's article about the the game, Uh, he talked about how it was an unnatural position 
for Marco wasn't really like his game. He plays deeper. Um, he's like a late arriving in the box kind of guy, not a play yeah. with back to the goal playmaker kind of player. But I don't know what the options were. Um, Isaiah Foster on the left and yeah, Barrial there. But yeah. Isaiah Foster has not been in a game this season. And you'd be pairing him in this case with Ian Murphy, just inviting disaster over there on the left side. Yeah, so it's like you can disrupt your your defense more than it already is by moving Barrial to attacking midfield. Uh, Kubo is not an option. You can was roll hurt. out like one of the many youngsters that have never <laughs> um, that have not seen the field this year. Although Kimi got got on the field. Uh, uh, look, yesterday, let, let me push back on that a little bit just for this sense. How many goddamn times have we played a team that's rolling a dude out for his first minutes ever and they just look fantastic, have their best game ever, look like 20 year vets in the league and like we're, every game. Yeah, and we're afraid of, like, oh, he hasn't played any minutes yet. Apparently that works for everybody else but us. <laughs> Uh, it worked for Chicago Fire at the end of the year last year against us. It worked for Houston uh, earlier this year. They had a bunch of youngsters roll out, and they did very well against us, uh, and they seem to be doing just fine. Um, I agree. It is kind of annoying that we are very gun-shy. Maybe, maybe this is just a result of our academy being way too young, and Noonan and Albright just do not trust these guys, and they are here to make up numbers. I don't know. Um, I... I I get there were no good options and I don't want to judge Angulo too harshly based on his first minutes. And yeah. what, what sucks about it is that his first 15 minutes of the game were very good. He has an incredible through ball that starts the build that leads to the first goal. Just a yes. great touch pass that threads the needle right into the box, sets everything up. But then he just disappeared from the game. It was almost like he was just a complete non-factor after that one great play. And I get it's not his natural position, but man, you would have liked to have seen anything from him holding possession or doing something, but the midfield just got destroyed and eaten alive for the next 50 minutes of the game. It was bad. Yeah, I I think Kevin made the comment in the Discord, but I think it's I think it was right that like Angulo was giving the ball away a ton, but like he was making like the right. Yeah, he was like looking the right direction, like trying to make the right pass, but only getting it like 90 percent there, you know? And, yeah, I um, liked his instincts, but the execution wasn't quite there. Yeah, but in but the, the pass that he got the secondary assist on uh, was a very nice pass. And I think he had a few moments like that where he he played a nice a nice ball to, you know, advance the attack a little bit, but it wasn't it wasn't enough. Yeah, Um, we're still. Unfortunately, like. Incredibly dependent on having Lucho in the lineup to be able to consistently advance the ball consistently. Uh generate dangerous chances yeah his partnership with Wobodo actually looked good especially later in the game as he sort of grew into the game uh him and Wobodo were doing you know give and goes they were they were on the same wavelength 
I honestly would love to see him start again next week in Moreno's spot and have Acosta back in this lineup. I think, well, one, I think that's the future of this team later in this season, I'll say. And I think they could be very successful against Nashville, but yeah, he, yeah, need, he needs more, mixed he, bag. He needs more minutes because yeah. the talent is is there. Um, I think that the role selection can be better for him, and putting him in a better position to succeed would. And hey, you know, honestly, he played in a natural position, and they got a point out of it. So for his for as wacky as the actual game flow was, the outcome wasn't horrendous. So hopefully that's, you know, he seems like a good kid. He seems like he's got the skills to be an important part of this team. So hopefully this is a positive experience for him. Cause they yeah, you have it. to give him, you have to give him opportunities. You have to give him minutes. He's a $3 million player. He's taken up a U 22 spot. He needs to keep getting chances to run out there. Um, unless he really, really damages you. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the case even as, you know, yeah, so that- is his, his play was uh, against, against Chicago, but yeah, maybe, I mean, if Kubo's not back next week, then you have to start Angulo next to yeah. Wobodo because Moreno is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Right. Yeah. Is that part of the calculus with playing him, even though it's not his natural position, is that even if there were better fits, it's like we got to give this kid minutes sometime. It's Chicago. They're the worst team in the league. And we've got an opportunity in the midfield that he can play 60, 70 minutes of. And let's get the kid some some work. He's got to get it at some point. Maybe. Because what about this alternative? You play Brenner at the 10 and start Santos and Vasquez together. You could do that. But I do think... To Chiefs' point, I think this is maybe the trial run for replacing Moreno next week against Nashville. Like, sure, if yeah. Kubo doesn't get healthy, he has to play. So you'd rather him play now. But yeah, I do think that's probably the the next option is to drop Brenner a little deeper, and that'll just functionally play as a, a front three with a two man midfield. And you really got to hope your wingbacks are ready to play defense because they're going to be cutting into the middle of the field the, the entire game. I do think too it's it's an interesting defensive look if he does develop and, and gets those passes together. If we go up against a team that, it, that we think we could maybe beat on the counter to have a field of three defensive-minded midfielders, or if, if Lucho can't go again, it's an interesting look as well. If you trust Angulo and Wobodo to be able to hit a, a long ball on the counter, I think it could actually be successful if that's what it looked like going forward. So, um so yeah, so that was good. I also want to point this out too. Uh, Celentano gives up three goals. I don't know how much I blame him uh, for so much of this. He he gets his foot on the penalty. The the Shibelko goal, the first goal was. I mean, yes, Roman probably could have positioned himself to get it, but like that was nearly inch perfect placement. And the goal right after that, the half was more a defensive error than a goalkeeping error. I'm willing to assign him some percentage of blame there. But to give up three goals and not, I don't know. I don't have a negative opinion of his play tonight or, you know, Saturday. I don't know. Feel like It felt like a really, really hard shot by Mueller for that, mm-hmm. for that third goal. 
And, and it is sort of curling. Yeah. He couldn't have asked for like a better setup for that goal. I mean, Mueller. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Um, so I don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame him for really any of them. I mean, the Shabilko one, you think, okay, like that shot from that angle is often saveable, but Shabilko right. did a really nice job with it. Yeah. And there was also nobody that stepped out to Shabilko. He had a completely clean look to pick his spot to kick. Um, and just it was an inch. Like you said, it was an inch perfect ball. It's in the one spot that you can beat Celentano from that angle, from the position he was at. And for Celentano, he's got to be protecting himself against not only that shot coming in, but also Shabilko laying off to something and he's got to be able to move. So I, I don't fault Roman for that. Um, it's easy to second guess a keeper because we know in hindsight that Shabilko was going to take that shot. And Roman doesn't know that when he's standing there, which is unfortunate. Um, to me, I know we were talking about the lineup just now, but it's the back line bears a lot of the responsibility for how things went in this game defensively. Um, yeah. Ian Murphy yeah. did not have a very good game at all. Um, Gaddis did not have a very good game defensively at all. Um, and I, I said it when we were doing headlines, but the the takeaway that I had from this was, number one, Matt Miazga was my man of the match um, prior to Lucho coming in. Lucho obviously wins man of the match going <laughs> away. But for the for the, of the starters, Miazga, goal-saving tackles in multiple inst- instances, seemed like he was the only defender that was consistently in position doing what he was supposed to do. And um, it just wasn't, other than him, it just wasn't good. And it just really didn't give them a lot of clear opportunity. Like, it felt like most of that middle 50 minutes, they were playing with their backs against the walls. And Chicago was getting into the box with impunity. There were balls that were in dangerous positions with impunity. And it just, it wasn't good at all in front of Salentano. Yeah. Ian Murphy, rough, rough outing for him. Comes off right at the hour mark. Uh, that Shabilko goal, by the way, starts with Murphy just absolutely boofing a, uh, a clearance off yep. the back line. He just absolutely shanks it. Um, I, I forget who was over there from our side, but they had to run back to challenge for the 50-50 ball. They lose the challenge, and uh, yeah, that sets up the goal. So that was rough. I... Uh, so here's my question to you, to yeah. both of you. I said it earlier. Is Nick Hagland an indispensable part of this defense? If this is the alternative, yes. <laughs> Does Do we see these same defensive lapses with Acosta and Arias? Maybe not. Maybe the, the other team can't push as hard uh, with that much attacking talent on the field. But yeah, this was rough. This really, like, I know we've started off the season well enough. I mean, I don't think we've passed the eye test so much, but the results are there. I think this really lights a fire under Albright's ass to get another center back in to this team soon. Because this, if this is it, and say Miazga gets suspended and Haglund's hurt or Mosquera can't be extended... You are looking at the very deep end of the bench to to replace these guys, and this entire season starts to fall apart if that's where we're going. You know, maybe this is easier said than done, but like, at the very least, couldn't you find like left-footed Nick Hagland? <laughs> right. And so, if you have like left-footed Nick Hagland, that gives you a lot of options. 
with yes. your because you know Mosquera can play on either side. Um, it pushes Murphy down to the fifth center back, and like I'm not, I'm not writing off Ian Murphy by any means. We no one we got a lot of points with him starting last year, but he was woeful. <laughs> like he yeah. was a, he was a it was a noticeable right. noticeable drop off uh, from Mosquera on the left. Can yeah, I in can, the ex- can I have permission to go there for a second? Please. <laughs> do, do you think about giving Jeff Cameron a call and see if he's in shape? I I think it comes down to salary and at this point he can't be asking for much, right? Like $100,000 is worth more than zero, which is what he's collecting now in game day checks. So well, I think we've been I think we've been open to the possibility of having Cameron back on the team. When you say year. we, you mean we in this room, the collective we. we. The, collect, the three of us. Yes. I yes. Think, the yeah. three of us on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I guess maybe maybe Kevin hasn't hasn't said it as much, but. Um, <laughs> I'm not opposed to the idea. I'll co-sign it. But so like, I think we have, I think we have the roster. Um, I think Some we have the roster space, the roster flexibility. I mean, the, the question is like, What's the um what's what's the money that you would need? What are your plans for the rest of for the rest of the roster? Right. Um but I don't know. I mean you can you can always clear Vermeer off the roster. Right. You know, um you you can free up free up roster space if you need to. Um, so without without knowing what other moves are in the pipeline, without knowing how this affects our ability to make those other moves, I mean, do I do I call Jeff Cameron and say, okay, we know we wanted you to come, we we wanted you to come back in like a much much reduced salary, but um, maybe maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I like the idea that we're maybe just waiting out a percentage of the season to go by so that his salary hit this year perfectly matches the salary size hole that we're looking for. So he'll be paid the equivalent of three hundred thousand dollars. But at seventy five percent of the season, it, it makes a lot more sense. You also have Alec Khan. Uh, can is it can or con? God can. damn it! It's always can. it's can. always been can. The wrath of <laughs> can. Just say, you know, nobody can really say um, <laughs> except him. He can say he said it multiple times. Allegedly, yeah. Alec can is a tradable asset that you know, like for like, could get you uh, the Alec can of defenders from somebody else who maybe wants goalkeeping depth. Um, yeah, is maybe I mean, what I, we're looking for. Yeah. But it's been it's been reported that they're very happy with their goal their goalkeeping room right now. I don't and doubt it, but that's the most expendable piece if the incoming piece is the defender that keeps you in the shield race or the defender that wins you a playoff game. Like yes, it's nice to have goalkeeping depth, but if you get to your third string goalkeeper, like the expectations for the season are out the window. So I'm, I'm fine giving up that flexibility. 
but I'm not in charge of the team and my ass isn't on the line. So <laughs> no, and they, just, they do if still I'm have in the, FIFA. Can, that's who I'm trading. <laughs> they do have the ability to cancel contracts still, right? That you can do that now up to a certain point in the season. It doesn't have to be done before the start of the yeah, year. You right? can do it. You can do it until the first day of the summer transfer window this year. Okay. That's, that's a new yeah. rule. You used to have to do it before this. Well, actually let me, let me clarify that a little bit. You could always cancel contracts at any point, not cancel, but you could always buy out somebody or do a mutual termination at any point during the season and get roster relief, meaning like your open roster spot, the international spot that player may have been using, the DP spot the player may, may have been using, but you don't get you didn't get budget relief if you did it after the if you did it the first day of the season or later, meaning like if you've already paid that player two million dollars you're not getting that DP spot back. Right. Right. Or, you know, yeah. or if, if the, the player was owed $4 million that year, like that still hits your budget. So you have to use a DP spot to free that up. But like Vermeer, you could do, you could do the buyout without needing the budget relief because he's an $80,000 player or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, but but what changed this year is you can get budget relief as long as you buy out a player before the um, start of the summer transfer window. This is unrelated and yet possibly related. Does anyone know how have they talked about how badly hurt you Kubo is? No, no. Although I've seen speculation of a broken leg. Uh, but that is fan speculation. That is, I'll say, nobody with real information. Yeah, just put a put. Keep your eye on that. That would be an interesting mm. situation because there's a lot of salary tied up in Yu Yakubo. If but they try, if they they injury designate him or whatever, and try to get the budget and roster spot relief there. Yeah. Um. So there's there is the ability to you know do a season ending injury and you can replace the player but there are limitations on on what you can do to replace that player and so you know maybe the buyout has to be what you do i don't know i mean there, there's like a lot there's so many um yeah moving parts yeah 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 and you have to factor in potentially brenner or Vasquez's departure as as a possibility of, of where the budget could be moved around. Um, all right, to get back to the game real quick, I just want to point this out. Acosta comes in at the same time Arias, or no, uh, 20 minutes after Arias comes in, uh, Acosta with the insane assist to Santos, obviously Lucho Acosta, let's sing his praises here. He, uh, he, he put the game, put the team on his back and <laughs> basically brute forced this team, uh, from the brink and, uh, just a hell of a performance. I said in my, uh, my three question preview, if this wouldn't be the game that we saw MVP Lucho return. And while it was just 10 minutes, I'm happy to say that he's he's back, that we've got MVP Lucho back. Uh, this is the exact type it's, of performance we have not seen earlier this year. Tell them we're back up. <laughs> yeah. It, all right. So I got roasted for this online, but I'm going to stand by this. <laughs> Please defend it's, yourself. Well, no. All right. 
it's weird that he was available for 10 minutes, right? I'm not making this up that that if he was available for this game, you would have expected him to go in at 70 or at 65 and play the final 20, 25 minutes. The fact that he was only available for selection at 10. And I guess there's some there's some out there that maybe he lobbied hard to get into the match. And the plan was, in fact, to sit him the entire game. But mm-hmm. it, I can't remember the last time that there was a player of his caliber that was held back until the 80th minute, especially in the conditions where you're down two goals. It's freezing cold out. Um, yeah. The you're playing on an artificial surface. I think Chicago is an artificial surface, right? I'm pretty sure. I think it's natural. Is it natural? I saw a lot of dirt explosions at different points throughout the game. So nah, well, I think it's natural, but yeah, it's cold. It's cold. It's You're on the road. You're chasing a game down too, and you put a player that's coming back off a knock-in for 10 minutes. That's just it, I know I got roasted because he came in and did his, like, you know, you know Flynn from Tron Legacy thing entering the club or Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> but, like, that was weird, right? A little bit. I'm not wrong on that. Yeah, because – Yeah. I don't, I just don't, I, it, I would like to see a like straight answer on how did you think about Lucho's fitness coming into the game? What was your plan for him? Because I don't know. I just don't think that if it's, you know, an injury versus like aerobic fitness, Right. I don't know that you can that you can really say like, oh, he's good for ten minutes, but not fifteen. Minutes. You know, like Especially, I just I just don't yeah. think that you're that. As much as we like to think that we're that we're like we've got you know advanced analytics and scientific precision with this stuff, I just don't think you can say that. Yeah. Right. right. No, so. I, you know, but I, I get that that you can't say he's good for this or he's good for that. But if you're just good for ten, if you're like it's the 80th minute, and you haven't put him in yet. Isn't the most logical thing just to say, you know what, save it. We don't want to get you more hurt. You, you, we're just if we were if we were good playing you, you'd have been in earlier than this when you could have impacted the game a little more. And turns out all he needed was ten minutes plus stoppage time to impact the game. So hand up, that's on me. I'm never going to doubt that it's too late to put Lucho in a fucking match. But <laughs> I think I think I think um, Newton may have been like talking to the angel and devil on his shoulder, and you right. know, like talking to his God about you know how much how much harm am I willing to put this player and like how much, how much am I willing to risk this player who I don't think is, is healthy enough to play at all today. Right. And his, his, the little devil person, his shoulder was a five foot two uh, Argentine attacking <laughs> midfielder who said, who said, who said, let me in the game. Let him in. Yeah. But, also, but also like this team has never quit under Pat Newton. Have you, have you seen them quit on a game? No. Ever. That was true. They didn't quit that on the true. Chicago game last year when they were down, I think, three nothing. They, you know, didn't quit against Miami. They didn't quit. Um, they collapsed against NYCFC last year and still came against, back. Yeah, they collapsed, yeah. and anybody would quit after you yeah. after you give up a three nothing and go down four three, and they almost won that game. Yeah, I just should have won that game. I just I wonder from this, like I'm, you know. I grew up watching sliders, parallel universes, things like that. What is the headline today? If Noonan puts Lucho in for those last 10 minutes and he gets hurt. 
No, I don't. I refuse to acknowledge that timeline exists. It's there. That time, I guarantee you, that timeline exists out there. And uh, we would be crucifying Noonan for putting in a hurt player in 20 degree weather down two goals with 10 minutes to play. Like, I fair think play. It point, worked out. Yeah. It worked out. Got like he went with a gut. He went with his hunch. Or uh, God, maybe he, I think, uh, uh, Mike said this in the discord that maybe Noonan was watching this game and he saw something where they were at Chicago was, they were down a bunch of players. They were getting slower and maybe the, the, he could shoot Lucho out of a cannon and get this performance out of him. Maybe he saw that. Maybe he really is a dark Jedi or some shit like that. But if, if he puts Lucho in there and he re aggravates an injury and he's out for a month now, Oh my God, this podcast would have a completely different tone to it. I feel like in that scenario, uh, Noonan forces Acosta to talk to the media and explain that he told Noonan that he wanted to play and that he forced the coach's hand to play. Because I think Noonan would also need to be justifying on some level his job, not that he'd be fired for it, but that, that's a go to your boss and explain what, what was happening type move. I also think to a slightly lesser extent, uh, Arias comes in in 60 minutes. Yep. He is a known injury risk throughout his entire career, just coming back and again, freezing cold, losing you have Powell presumably still on this team he wasn't a requirement to come in uh but still came in in these these situation i thought Arias uh, also yeah. changed the game though absolutely yes i agree like, he, he was all he he was very noticeable when when uh, he finally got out there now hold on, yeah. hold on kevin and so like my Ooh, take please. that i didn't put on twitter <laughs> smart at, at about smart. 60 65 was why is Lucho on the bench if mm. if he's not healthy enough for you to use him? And right. I still wanted I still kind of want an answer to that to that question because you know, like three to one down in the sixtieth minute, that's a perfectly reasonable time to put your star DP ten in. You he's got thirty he's got thirty minutes to make magic. Or let him go for a half, build a lead, then pull him off if he is healthy enough to go and you want to put him on a, a minutes cap of some kind. Uh, but Chief G, our overall point, I wonder how much this factors in. 80th minute, we're all thinking 10 minutes left in the game, right? But with FIFA's new rules on extra time, is the thought not that he's going to get 20 minutes? Because if he comes in and does well, you're going to start adding goals. There was a VAR check. There was a goal already. Like, I think it was fair to assume that there was going to be a decent amount of extra time. And it was kind of shocking that there wasn't as much extra time. So he was either going to get a, a, a very brief run out or he was going to do some damage and was going to buy himself more time that way. I don't know. I just maybe oh, 80th minute isn't as late in games anymore. Is what I'm, I'm trying to say. I'm just never going to doubt Lucho Acosta again. That's a <laughs> that's a pledge from the chief to you, the listener. Is there is there is no time limit too small for Lucho to do something? I'm just I am I I openly admit this. I am a hurt person. I am still broken <laughs> by what was the stat they read that FC Cincinnati was like O and 58 when going down two goals or when losing like going to half losing. Going to half down. Well, I just I don't. No matter how I think many times they had never taken a point yeah. in MLS. So here's here's the tweet down two goals. 
Yeah, here's the tweet from OptaJack. FCC avoided defeat in a match in which it trailed by multiple goals for the first time in the club's MLS history. Previously, zero wins, zero draws, 49 losses. Yeah, so like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a human being. Human beings are shaped by their previous experiences. I learn from what I have seen and what I experience. I, in that moment last night, when they went down two goals, I had absolutely no faith they were going to come back. I don't even believe sports comebacks are real. When any team I'm watching goes down by even a point, the game's over. Game over. We're not, <laughs> this is insurmountable. It's like 20 minutes to play in the first half of a basketball game. Xavier concedes the first bucket. Well, we're never overcoming this deficit. I mean, you just watched Xavier come back from a 13-point second-half deficit. Right. Surely, I was, I was, surely miracles were in front of mind No, I, I was convinced I had expended all of my sports karma with Xavier coming back from against Kennesaw State, and I wasn't allowed to have two nice outcomes in the span of a weekend. I had convinced myself of that by about the 55th minute. So, and, and that is, that is, as far as I can tell, the only time that FC Cincinnati has come back and taken – even a point being down by two goals or, or more, more. Yeah. after the 80th minute. But mm. since one of my big things is to acknowledge USL history, please okay, on September 23rd, 2017 FC Cincinnati fell down two two to zero to St. Louis. I believe it's nil. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Nil is it's, that's the thing with the college athletes where they sell their their naming <laughs> yes, name right. image likeness rights. Um, in the seventieth minute, Corbin Bull, Corbin Bone made it two one, and then it in the fifth minute of extra time, Danny Koenig uh, scored a penalty kick to tie the game up two to two. I have no recollection of this game. <laughs> I don't remember this happening at all. <laughs> I had to find it on Transfer Market. <laughs> the nice the nice thing is, I think it's all still on YouTube. So I, I will go watch that after this. Watch along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> since we're just throwing out things from the game here, can I get a DEFCON, a DEFCON check on where we're at with Brandon Vasquez right now? <sighs> I mean, as we said before, he's... He's in the right spot. The uh, the underlying stats, the same underlying stats that said he should break out last year, would suggest that he's getting his shots. He just needs to tighten the execution. Maybe the pressure's getting to him. Maybe the expectations are getting to him. I'm not freaking out yet. I want to see the Nashville game before before I, I start reaching for a panic button. Five it's games. Get it? It's it's getting it's getting worrying a little bit. Just that's another another horrid, horrid miss in this game. That should have been two nil, and the tenor of this game changes immensely when you put yourself up two nil on Chicago, and they get the "here we go again" face from everyone on the sidelines. Yeah, one thing that Vasquez did that was maybe not super obvious uh, last year that we're not seeing this year is I believe he was like far and away the most fouled attacker in MLS last year. And it doesn't feel like we're getting not even just penalties, but like free kicks at the edge of the box due to defenders having to foul him. That's maybe one piece of his game that is really missing outside of obviously the ball going into the back of the net, but he's still taking his shots. He's getting a couple of really good opportunities a game, but yeah, he's, we're not seeing that piece where defenders are, are fouling him to keep him under control. He has drawn 
six fouls in seven games this year. Last year he drew no six no six fouls in four games. Sorry. Yeah, wait a second. Uh, games. Shit. Last year he <laughs> drew fifty three fouls in uh, how many games he played last year? 30, 33. 33, Yeah. I don't know. Just so it, it feels like he's, he's on track. I he's guess a, he's a little a little behind. But okay. I, it has been noticeable that he's he's pressing for fouls more. Like there was at least one instance, and it's been two straight games, I think, because I think this happened in the last game, too, where he just took a terrible dive in the box. Like one that was sufficiently bad that I was worried he was going to get booked for simulation. Yeah, because he's clearly fishing for anything to spark something happening for him. And it was another instance of he mishit the ball and then fell down and then got up looking for contact half-heartedly. And it's like, man, you're going to one of these is going to result in the card for you at some point if you don't knock this shit off. Yeah. And if it doesn't work after the first one or the second one, you can't keep doing it because that's how you get a reputation for diving. And then you yeah, don't get a broke. real one then at that point. Like yeah, at some point, point cried wolf. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but hell, what a game. Three, three, you know, and going into this, uh, a lot of people were saying, hey, draw on the road, win at home. This is the game to rotate, guys. Let's not get anybody hurt. You walk away, you look at the, the top line stats here, and I know Grayson and I were going through this uh, right before recording, but FCC wins the possession battle, dominates expected goals, especially if you look at open play, because like about half of their expected goal total tally is coming from having a penalty. Uh, we had more big chances. We had more accurate passes. Like... I don't know. You didn't watch the game and you saw like Vasquez got an assist. Moreno scored a couple of goals and Acosta was the hero. You'd be like, yeah, that's FCC. That's all tracks like they well done. (laughs) Just feel like a lot of just like so much of our uh, of our positive stats came came late in the game. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, So. Yeah. But I mean, like at a certain point, you know, expectations have risen for this team. Yeah, you're going on the road to play the last place team in MLS and a team that has looked pretty hapless. They everyone was picking Chicago to finish near the bottom of the standings to start the year. They've given minimal indication that they are going to not end up at the bottom of the league. They're missing multiple starters on red card suspensions. Um, I don't know. Uh, At a certain point. Yeah, you, you win your home games, get pick up your points on the road. But you do got to win a couple of these road games. And I, do, I don't wonder if at the end of the season we're going to look back at this when we're in a hunt for playoff positioning, a playoff, a home playoff winner. You know, maybe if the hype holds out for Supporters' Shield and we're not going to look back and think that two points would have been big playing a depleted Chicago team on the road early in the year. I don't know. Maybe that's just me and I'm an eternal pessimist. <laughs> I, I will say, while Chicago is dead last in the Supporter Shield uh, race, they do have a game in hand on just about everybody. So, and I, I say that too, they but got like, that going for themselves. It, yeah, it's also important too. I mean, if you look around the league yesterday, Montreal beats Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, you know, Nashville loses again. Toronto beats Miami. Houston beats Austin. Um, there were a lot of results where they were like, oh. Yeah, some good teams got picked off uh, uh, yeah. over the course of the weekend. And just, I guess it's hard. 
you always have to keep in mind the parity of this league. And I'm also it's also an interesting thing, too. So if you if you listen to Albright talk at all in any of the interviews he did in the preseason, he said that the biggest worry about this team was that they were mercurial that they hadn't yet mastered the skill of consistency, that the great teams are consistent week in and week out. Philadelphia is pretty, I mean, I just said they lost, but, you know, consistent week in and week out. And this is kind of, I think, what he was talking about, where even during the course of this game, it opens with a strong 20 minutes. There's 50 minutes of utter brutality in the middle where you wonder what the hell people were seeing in this team. And they close out strong with the last 15 or so minutes plus stoppage time. And I, I think that this team is this is this is a good opportunity for everyone to maybe take a step back about FC Cincinnati. They're a good team, I think. I think they're still a very good team, but this might have been a little bit of a pump the brakes game in terms of they're not where they need to be yet. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. So yeah. they are they are one of four undefeated teams in Major League Soccer, uh, one of two in the East. One of three who were undefeated through four games because LAFC's only played three um, in the league. Not that I expect LAFC to, you know, <laughs> go ahead and lose game four. But um, but speaking of them, I did watch the LAFC Seattle game because I was curious, you know, how Sounders would rebound yeah. after after playing us. And I was also curious, you know, how does how does Sounders look? against LAFC versus, you know, how do they look against us? And, you know, Seattle looked, I mean, it was at home for Seattle, but they looked better against LAFC than they did against us. I, I did the same thing. Cause I, I was wondering that too. I was like, all right, LAFC, everybody is, you know, crowning them the, the class of the league. And obviously a lot of expectations are on them to win international trophies at this point. Um, and yeah, like where do we stack up versus Seattle? And yeah, like you come away from that LA Seattle game thinking Cincinnati's pretty good. Chief, I'll put the optimistic spin on your take. This team tries when it has to, that they can turn it on when when it's necessary. That they turned it on against Houston when it was necessary. They turned it on Chicago when it was necessary. And if this is going to be a marathon, not a sprint. That's a useful skill for this team to have. Yes, we would like to see them win, but they scored three goals on the road. Like, yeah. that's hard to do in this league. So, I'll I'll give you that spin. Maybe maybe that that can uh, ease some some anxieties there. Yeah, I'm um, not. I'm not. Yeah, again, please. like I said, they're a very good team. They're very good, and um, they weathered, they persevered, and Lucho is the man. So now we got to get yeah. get Vasquez going. That's that's job yes. one right now. So quickly glancing at the uh, the table here, I, I do have to point out to everybody's annoyance, St. Louis City sits atop of the entire ah. table. Four wins, the only team in the league with four straight wins to start the season. Uh, even the couple of teams that have only played three games do not have this as a possibility. Uh, they are right ahead of Atlanta and New England at the top of the Supporter Shield with us coming in at fourth. LA right behind us. Uh, with a whole gaggle of teams on seven points. But, of course, L.A. has a game in hand, as does Minnesota down there in ninth, all on seven points. So, overall, not a bad start to the year. You'd take an undefeated start in a top-five supporter shield uh, standing through through the first four games of the season, I think. So, 
I'm, there we go. I'm fucking annoyed by St. Louis. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, <laughs> I just need him to lose. I just, I, I just I, need I, him to lose. Every game they do that they keep winning, it hurts my soul a little bit more. Like it hurt when Nashville was good. This hurts exponentially worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, God. completely agree. Uh, I'm just going to continue to point out that their GM has a match-fixing conviction on him, and they're off to a, what I'll call, <laughs> unpredictable start to the year. And I'm just going to keep saying those two things right next to each other until something changes to so start losing St. Louis. Speaking uh, of okay. match-fixing, I'll accept two explanations for the four minutes of stoppage time. One is match-fixing, and two <laughs> is the ref was too cold. I really, the second four came up instead of what should have been, according to FIFA's new rules for added time, nine to 12 minutes, uh, was very much the referee is cold and would like to go home now. (laughs) It very much felt like those Sunday baseball games where the umpire has to catch a flight or make a tee time, where everything is a fucking called strike. Suddenly the game can move to two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Well, guys, I think that does it for this game. I, I don't think... We left anything on the table to discuss on this one, so Columbus lost. Well done, Columbus us. lost two to one. Columbus lost. Columbus yeah, so fuck is them. fuck them. Quick glance, twelfth in the table. Uh, maybe Wilfred Nancy is not the miracle worker we all thought he was. Well, with that, I will say goodbye. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Jonah, for joining. And Chief, zip him up. Wait, no, no, wait, no. And fuck Columbus. (laughs) I do not want to set you up for a zip them up. (laughs) I refuse to participate. I disavow this podcast. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.